But yeah. Okay. So, this is Trey Smith, and I'm here with Rick Smith. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Rick Smith. Hello, my name is Rick Smith. I'm a behavioral health clinician. Um, I do uh, psychotherapy and crisis screening. Alrighty. Well, it's good to have you here. So today, I'm going to be talking to you about the opioid epidemic and what that's all about. Um, the first question, basically, what is an opioid? Like, what, what even is that, man? Is it some sort of drug, or what is it used for? It's a, a narcotic medication that's used a lot of times to treat pain. Okay, so these are prescribed medications? Well, most most of the time, the opioids uh, are prescribed by doctors, but uh, they're also used illegally. Okay. All right. Um, so, what would be the illegal benefit? Why do people want these things? Like, what do they do for you? You know what I mean? Like, what if it's just a painkiller? Do they have pain or what? Well, taken in different amounts. Uh, it, they get high from it. Okay. The sense of euphoria. Uh, it is a very addictive medication or substance. And so once they have introduced it into their bodies for a period of time, um, they have what they call a diminishing return in which they no longer are getting high off the same amount. Uh, they build up a tolerance and then they, uh, the individual using the substance will actually need it just to function on a normal basis it, it, they don't even get a high off of it after a while because the withdrawals from the heroin are severe okay so what are so I think I'm kind of getting that um, and I so said, is there I, I said heroin but op, uh, opioid so yeah I was gonna kind of similar substance I was gonna ask uh, so like how many different kinds of opioids are there so is it like a like what, what is there just like a bunch of different types of drugs and basically they're all just op- labeled opioids or or what is it just some sort of you know cuz i i don't really know too much about it i know from personal experience when i got surgery they gave me hydrocodone and that was an opioid and i had to be regulated on that and that was prescribed um so, so opioids are a substance that when uh, reaching as, as far as like the different types of opioids you know I'm not really sure I'm not a pharmacist so I couldn't tell you all the details but mm-hmm. there are uh, basically a variety of different uh, opioid substances that people Use for various reasons. Uh, some of them are prescribed painkillers, but um, others, like heroin, are not prescribed. They're street drugs that they use to get high. Okay. Um. So who who is the most susceptible to becoming addicted or? I don't know, wanting to try these harmful opioids for, like, fun use. Well, any, anybody can be susceptible become, to becoming addicted to uh, substance. There are a lot of people who 
have uh, been prescribed the medications for short periods of time and became addicted to it. And uh, after they were prescribed it, they began seeking the substance illegally. And uh, then after a while, a lot of times you'll see that they will um, move on to using it in various ways. Uh, a lot of times they'll use it uh, intravenously, which means they'll shoot it up. Mm. Okay. So, basically you're saying that a lot of the times people will actually need them for some sort of pain and then they become addicted to it? Yeah, I mean, but there are some people that use it to get high, you know, that it's like any other illegal substance, uh, you know, they, they want to try it because they yeah. want the experience. It makes that, them feel good, right? Right. Okay. So, what, I, I know you said you're not like a pharmacist or anything, but like, what what's going on in your brain? Is it some sort of chemical, like, endorphin thing? Or is it just like a a body, like pain reliever type of thing you know what I mean or does that just depend on the amounts and like what kind of opioid it is it's I'm not real sure what it does exactly I'm kind of confused about that at the moment because there are uh, receptors in the brain did you pause that no there, there are receptors in the brain, and I'm not sure if these uh, opioids, if they coat those receptors that uh, interfere with signals being sent to the brain that, mm -hmm. you know, from the nervous system, that's why they work for pain management, is that they prevent the signal, you know, from the nervous system to get getting to the brain. So, of course, you know, your brain is what interprets the electrical currents. So if you, like, you know, break your arm mm -hmm. and the pain's in your arm, it's sending an electrical signal to your brain. And my understanding is the opioids cover the receptors mm -hmm. that allow that signal to get through so they're not feeling the pain. Got you. Interesting. Okay. Um, so... What? I don't know. Do you think... So you know how we had this this pandemic this last year. Obviously, COVID-19. Everybody was at home and things. And, you know, studies show how a lot more people... There was a lot more overdoses last year. What do you think it has on mental health? Like, do you think people try to use it if they're, uh, you know, going through any... I don't know. Is it used a lot, like in that way? Yeah, a lot of times people who uh, use substances are are self medicating for some type of maybe mental illness. Maybe they're you know they're depressed or they're anxious or something like that, and uh, they'll use the substance to uh, to dull the effects of whatever it is that they're trying to escape. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, what was the question exactly? Just, just like as in your profession as a, you know, like a, a mental health guy, mm -hmm. do you see a lot of opioids being used with your the people that you're trying to help? 
the well with with my caseload, I haven't seen it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that for the area, there is a lot of things that are going on in the community. Um, there, I think a lot of the overdoses are uh, related to the uh, fentanyl that a lot of other drugs are being laced with. Okay. Which is uh, the fentanyl is a, uh, I think it's a synthetic opioid that in very small amounts can be lethal. Okay. Is that so? Is that like used by hospitals? Is this fentanyl stuff or is it just, or, you I don't know. know? I don't believe that it is, but it could be. Um, I, a lot of times what will happen, somebody who's been in recovery, mm-hmm. they will, uh, if they've, Abstain from. Okay, so sorry about that. There was a cutout for a second, but we are back. So basically, you were saying that there was a lot of reasons why people overdose, and you were just diving into that a little bit. Sure. So the, what I'm hearing in the community now is that people are overdosing on fentanyl mm-hmm. because a lot of the drugs that they're getting, you you know, even the marijuana, the uh, methamphetamines the uh, ecstasy and different uh, drug, street drugs are being laced with fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the reason why is that my understanding is that the fentanyl is cheaper and so they can cut it and uh, but unfortunately uh, when they cut it with those things uh, the doses, the, the lethal dose of fentanyl is so small that uh, it can uh, it can cause a uh, Mm. death but a lot of times what will happen in with overdoses is people will be in recovery for a period of time and they will stop using the substance and then mm-hmm. when they relapse they will try to use the same amount that they stopped or that they what they were using when they stopped using mm-hmm. and um, their body is not uh, hasn't doesn't have that tolerance anymore and so then they uh, die so is so it's kind of like how if you don't eat for a long time, your stomach will shrink. You you won't be able to eat the same amount that you, you know, did before. You know I, what I mean? I guess, I guess you could... Uh, compare, I don't know. That's just kind of... That, that could be a, a comparison. But yeah, I mean, your body's uh, not able to uh, to absorb the, the chemicals, compounds, I guess. And uh, because you don't, you no longer have that tolerance built up. I got you. That's interesting. Huh. Okay, so I have one more final question for you. So how do you feel personally about how Oregon has decriminalized the use of opioids or the possession, actually, so to speak? You're allowed to have possession of any drug and not get in trouble by the law. Do you think that's be- do you think that's going to be worse for the country if that like continues to spread through other states, or do you think that's potentially a good thing? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think that it's a good thing. I think I haven't studied that in Oregon, and you know the reasons why they chose to do that. I would imagine that they did it because the jails are overpopulated and there are limited resources, and. Uh, you know, if they are prosecuting 
possession cases and things like that, then uh, you have to put these people in prison and then that costs a significant amount of money to house those individuals. And so hmm. I'm sure it was uh, made for financial reasons. Uh, That's an I, interesting I, I point. Think, I think that anytime you increase access to something, you're going to see a rise in use and then I think that you're going to see like in Colorado more, right? more deaths with, with like obviously you're not going to see deaths and with like weed but like uh, how we see they legalized weed in Colorado and like places like California and that drug spiked you know so everybody's doing that now normally mm-hmm. you think that's how it's going to be similarly with the with the harder drugs I'm, I'm not sure you know I mean I hate to see it. I hate to see it happen, mm-hmm. but I, I just I just can't see anything good coming from it. Mm-hmm. I got you. Because at least there's some kind of deterrent for some people. I mean, a lot of people will argue that that you know if somebody's going to use the substance, they're going to use it regardless if it's criminalized or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though it's not going to be illegal to possess it it's going to yeah. be illegal to, to produce it and distribute it and sell it and things like that so right. I, uh, I yeah, I don't know what their plan is in Oregon but um, I can't imagine that decriminalizing it will will help I got you alright Mr. Smith well it has been a pleasure talking to you about this. I, I got a lot of useful information and uh, have a better grasp on the opioid epidemic. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come speak with me. And yeah, any final words you have to say? God bless America. All right, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, you too. All right. So, Mr. Anderson, it's good to meet you. Hey, how are you doing, sir? Good. So, uh... Tell me a little bit about like what you do for a living and uh yeah, just a little bit about yourself. Okay, well so my name's Tony Anderson and I've been a deputy deputy for the Buchanan County Sheriff's Department for around two years. Just a little under two years. Okay. Um so basically I'm talking to you about opioids and uh, like the you know the nature of them and in our city and I felt like you would be a good person to talk to about this um so first question I have for you is how prevalent do you think opioids are in St. Joe like is it is it a problem here or is it you know just tell me a little bit about that yeah oh it's it's definitely a problem I think it's pretty widespread too where it's not just a problem in St. Joseph but a problem around the country Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's causing all kinds of issues with people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so with people my age, have you or like any people that you work with, um, that are also policemen, do they like see opioid use in young people like teenagers or is it usually older people? What do you think? Um, it's really uh, opioid addiction is 
kind of non-discriminatory as far mm. as the age groups. Um, you know, we see it, and I've seen it a couple times with high school kids. High school kids will overdose, and then you'll see it with people that are in their early to late 50s that still struggle with that issue. And it's really sad to see because it it messes up their lives, man. Yeah. So basically, anybody is susceptible to becoming addicted and dependent on opioids? I definitely think so. I think some people are probably more genetically mm. predispositioned for it, but I think anybody that starts going down that path um, is running a risk of you know, becoming addicted and having to deal with the negative consequences. Yeah. Got you. Um, how, how are like random or like normal people getting access to these controlled, supposedly controlled medications? Like, how are these people on the sides of the street struggling with opioids when, uh, when opioids are supposed to be prescribed to, you know, pain? You know? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because it's, you know, they're getting out in the streets in a number of different ways. I think a lot of times people um, people will get get onto opioids for legitimate reasons, like injuries, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they'll overtake them. They'll take them for too long and become addicted that way. Right. And then also, I think that you know there's also situations where people aren't keeping their medications secure or you know family members or uh, friends are going into people's places and you know stealing their their prescription medications mm. yeah do you think so okay so people are getting them from maybe other people that are actually being prescribed them. Do you think that sometimes doctors will prescribe them to people that don't need them? Oh, definitely. I, yeah, I think that that's that's a major part of it. It's a it's kind of well, not kind of it. It's a complex issue because you have people that actually you know need pain medications and other forms of opioids. Then you also have situations where, you know, people can tolerate certain levels of pain and they're getting prescribed painkillers and other forms of opioids Mm -hmm. for, you know, like you said, things that, you know, they could probably do without. Mm -hmm. And it's just amplifying that issue. Gotcha. Um, so, uh. Have you heard about the legalization of, you know, well, not legalization, but you can't get arrested now in Oregon for having possession of opioids or any drugs? How do you feel about that? I didn't hear hear about that. I did hear that they did legalize, or not necessarily legalize, but decriminalize some form of uh, drug use. Mm-hmm. I would... And that and that pertains to anything. Yeah, so that's interesting. So they don't detain anybody for 
no. any amount of time. They don't send, like require them to uh, detoxify. Nothing, nothing. Nothing. And I was talking to uh, my last, the last person I interviewed, and he actually brought up a good point. And he was like saying how maybe it had something to do with maybe their prisons are overflowed with people that you know they can't su- support having that many people in their prisons and like they because you know having people in prisons go to court and all that is a lot of money and maybe that's some sort of financial issue where the counties were like what can we do to prevent so many people from going to jail or like having to you know house all of them and so they he suggested that maybe they decriminalized it for that reason where not so many people would be going up and filling up the prisons which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that could be a maybe maybe factor into the decision, but I don't think that. I mean, maybe maybe that's right. That was their logic behind it, but I don't think that if 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 people aren't getting arrested or mm-hmm. provided any help with their substance abuse when they're yeah. they're on you know, whatever they're on, whether it be an opioid or any other type of narcotic, um, then that's an issue. And, you know, the whole reason of putting people in jail for possession isn't necessarily just to punish them. It's right. for their own good, right? Is you want to put them in an environment where... They can't you know, have it. Yeah, they can't have it. And while they're already on it, so they need to... They need to go somewhere and detoxify. So I think that that's, because mm-hmm. uh, I, my my opinion on the whole thing is is that people need help more than they need punishment. That should be the whole goal of, you know, drug use, uh, the them being illegal. Yeah, and the, and the consequences of using them. The main goal of our system shouldn't be to lock them up because if there's not steps there to intervene Mm -hmm. then they're just going to continue to reuse and reuse until it gets even worse yeah no yeah i i totally agree with what you're saying um i think that that was a terrible move by oregon and hopefully that does not spread to other states because then we'll see a lot more overdoses and a lot more deaths, and it would just not be good. Um, well, anyways, anyways, uh, Tony, it was really good to have you talk to me, and I appreciate your service in our county. And uh, yes, and yeah, man. All right, final thought. So, Mr. Bartley, what up? How you doing today? Well, yourself? Good, good. So, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do? I'm a physician. I work as a hospitalist. Uh, who's a internal? I'm an internal medicine physician, so I take care of patients while they're admitted to the hospital. Okay, cool, cool. And this is that Mosaic? Yes. Okay, got you. Um, okay, so basically, I'm talking about opioids and the uh, obviously the bad part of it, the addiction, and mm-hmm. you basically the crisis that we've been seeing on the rise throughout like the past twenty years. And uh, so, you know, first question I have for you is. How prevalent is it in St. Joseph? Like, are we seeing it a lot at, like, at the hospital? Is it, yeah. I would say 
Well, that's difficult to say because mm -hmm. I'm really only familiar. Um, although I did see it in residency in Arkansas too, but okay. uh, I think it's very prevalent. I think it is improving. I think new doctors uh, are being trained differently and um, I see hope that it's going to get better, but mm -hmm. um, it doesn't, it you know, only takes a few doctors that will prescribe, you know, over prescribe mm -hmm. to create basically addicts yeah. without intending to, because, you know, your body becomes accustomed to those drugs. And if you take them for a long time, you require higher doses to get the same effect. So right. if you get someone started on opioids, then, you know, it's very hard to get them off. off. Right. Okay. So, um, a little bit more about that. Why would a doctor give them out to somebody that may not need them? Is there anything that like would benefit them by doing that? That's a, that's a, actually a good question. Um, so, Years ago, I, I was trained by some older docs that remember a time when opioids were used for really only three reasons. Mm. Post-op, if you had a surgery, um, if you had cancer, because that pain is very hard to control, or if you were at the end of life and it was just to make you comfortable. And other than that, they, you, people didn't prescribe them. Right. But uh, I think two things. Just my opinion is as doctors got busier, right mm -hmm. and the population increased but we're really not producing more doctors uh so right. doctors are busier and busier and it's much easier to give someone medication i know that it'll help your pain yeah even if you're it's not appropriate to treat it with that medicine i know it'll work it's yeah. almost like i'm hitting it you know a nail with a sledgehammer it'll get the it's nail just like in. fast pass just, right yeah. um so i think we're getting better at that but that happened um and then also uh the uh, Medicare, the federal government, mm -hmm. decided that patient uh, satisfaction, or uh, excuse me, that pain level would be a uh, vital sign. So when nurses were recording blood pressure, you know, heart rate, temperature, they would ask the patient if they had any pain and they rated up the scale one to 10 and then it's charted. So it, I think, was a lot harder for some doctors to ignore that because Someone could tell you they're hurting and I could talk to them about it, give them something else for the pain, you know. But if a nurse is charting or a tech is charting a high level of pain, then it looks like I'm not doing my job maybe. Mm. So I don't know how much that applies, but a lot of doctors think it makes a lot of difference. Um, that actually does make sense. Right. And, and the problem with that is, and this is my opinion, that patients will, if you've had chronic pain, you and you haven't really gotten relief, mm -hmm. you will, I think, report a higher level of pain until someone does something to help your pain. So if I say my pain's a five, well, that's right. not horrible, but a five for a year is horrible for another reason. You know, it's, okay, it's not more than it's a just five, it just better. never goes away. Yeah, and that's Well, then good. you'll say to the doc, six, because right. they want in your to mind, get... and they're not trying to, I mean, they're not seeking pain medicine, right? Mm -hmm. They sort of are, but not. that's not their intention, it's just... So chronic pain is a different thing. Yeah. But um, those people, you know, I have to trust. If I ask you to rate your pain and you say it's a seven, it's a seven. I, there's no way for me to Yeah, you can't that. know, right. Exactly. As a doctor, if someone says it's a 10, I can look at their vitals and I you're can like, say, yeah, man. you're not, that's just not a 10. Yeah. But anyway, so those are the things that contribute to it. I think 
you know, patient satisfaction or, or patients rating pain, you know, maybe motivate some people to treat it right. more aggressively. That actually makes sense. So, yeah, because if, if people saying their pain's lower, you'll seem like a lot better, you know, and yeah, surveys yeah. will be better. And, and there's some studies stuff. on how patients report it, like your experience. Right. And there's some evidence that the pain level, you know, the maximum pain level you felt mm-hmm. might stick in your mind. So if you came in and you had pain and it was up to a 10 and we got it under control, that's okay, that's good. If we, you know, if it got up to a six and we never really got it under control, then you might have a negative, uh, yeah. you know, ex- consider it a negative experience when in fact, some pain is not, na- you know, pain is natural. You're going to have to yeah, I tell my it. patients, I don't want you to have a zero. Right. Like if you have a reason to have pain, it should be a one. Like you should have the pain. That's because, yeah, so I know I'm not over treating you. If it's right. only zero, then I could, I'm giving you too much medicine. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Especially with, like, post-surgery and, like, you know, because, like, personally, I was on, after I got my foot surgery, they gave me um, hydrocodone, and, like, it helped with the pain, but, like, it still hurt, you know what I mean? Yeah, inflammation has a lot to do with it, so if they gave you hydrocodone, it was probably hydrocodone with acetaminophen in it. It was, yeah. Um, I prefer, and that's okay, I prefer to um, give the acetaminophen um, scheduled, a thousand milligrams of acetaminophen every... uh, say six to eight hours, hmm. not if you need it or not, just take it and then have oxycodone, which is a different uh, opioid, but it's not paired with the acetaminophen. So you take the acetaminophen, as long as you don't have any liver problems, you just take acetaminophen and then you can take the oxycodone if you need it. Gotcha. That's because inflammation causes a lot of pain. Yeah. And uh, if you just take, uh, you know, uh, say fentanyl, there's fentanyl patches that people yeah. with chronic pain take. That doesn't have any anti-inflammatory effects. It just numbs the pain. Yeah. yeah. And the pain will always be there if there's always inflammation. Hmm. I took opioid once, and I think it was uh, hydrocodone, and it made me real dumb. The pain, it was low back pain, and it was there. Um, it probably helped, but you would ask me, what's two plus two? And I would say, well, yeah. four. Like, I, I yeah. do it, it's just like... Well, it doesn't, isn't that a thing? Slow. It's a, it slows you, well, it slows your breathing. We know that oh, was it can, and that's a you know, you didn't ask that question, but one of the problems with opioids that um, makes it deadly is, as I said, you your body requires higher doses to get the same effect. Yeah. Um, if you take it for long periods, well, it gets so it gets used to the um, analgesic effects, the the pain numbing effects, mm-hmm. but it can it suppress your respiratory drive. Yeah. And that doesn't change, so you can get to a point where you're taking enough. That if you took one extra, you would go to sleep and quit breathing. Because your body, you know, you're like, well, it, it, it helped my pain. Right, but your body still needs to breathe. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> Obviously. what I'm saying is you get used to the effects of the, uh, you know, uh, the, an, the analgesic effects. Yeah. So you, you can keep going up in that respect. But at some point, mm. your body, there's a place on that line where it, it uh, suppresses your um, respiratory drive. And that has nothing to do with the other effects. So that's why people usually die from narcotics. Interesting. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was going to get into that. Ask or it might questions lower, about, lower the th- seizure threshold in some is there a, Is there like a, a worse opioid than the others on, in case of like, you know, well, overdosing? Or right is now, that, are they similar? is an issue apparently. Like synthetic or prescribed? Um, well, 
See, uh, I don't know a lot about that stuff. And I'll tell you, the problem with the synthetic ones and the street drugs is right. you may not know the dose. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem with heroin addicts. Um, if you're used to getting, uh, or maybe even cocaine, but heroin especially, if they cut it, and then one day they just don't cut it, you'll kill yourself with it because you are used to taking... Sorry. You can go ahead and take that. No, it's robocalls. I get them like four or five a day. From like different states? Or, yeah, or local too. Dude, I get... Ray, I've Missouri. No, is, yeah. Nobody knows no. me in Ray, Missouri. I've been getting ones from like Toronto and stuff. Yeah. yeah. One time it just didn't even know how to... My phone didn't know how to say where it was. The numbers were so wild. Really? Like it said some weird message like... Timbuk2 or something. But anyway... <laughs> So those street drugs do that, because yeah. um, you don't know the dose. But as far as you know, prescribed opioids, um, it really does um, vary based on your experience. Like if I, it wouldn't take much for to kill me because I don't ever take it. Mm -hmm. um, once you get used to it, yeah. then you can take higher doses. Um, also, if you, you know, there's other things that apply, like if you have other health problems or, you know what I mean? Yeah. They talk about George Floyd, you know, he had fentanyl in his system, mm -hmm. but he wouldn't have died if he wouldn't have been choked. But right. if he didn't have fentanyl in his system, he might not have died. Right. Of course, I don't know that the guy would the guy was probably going to ride his neck until he died. Yeah. But, uh... You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like no, it, no, I know. know. I, I, I learned about that. It doesn't, you don't know how much it contributed, but it had but, something yeah, to there, do with there it. Yeah, there is a, because like you said, there is a respiratory thing. But he had the sense to say, I can't breathe, so that so, yeah. kind of disproves that theory. Mm -hmm. But, um, so th there's not really a, a, an issue, you know, there's not a, a dose you can mention, but there's one, and I can't remember the name now, that looks like gravel, and it was, it was like ketamine was, I don't know where it was started, but mostly only, uh, veterinarians use it mm -hmm. but there's another one and it looks like gravel a couple years ago we look it up just okay. opioid gravel google it like that because i can't remember the name of it mm -hmm. um but there was a problem that uh, cops were touching it and getting high oh like they were finding it and didn't know what it was because it looked like gray and looked like a little rock and I called uh, or texted a buddy of mine who's an ER physician in Detroit and asked him about it because I hadn't seen it. This was when I was in Arkansas. And he said, oh, yeah. Yeah, we've seen a bunch of it. But there's stories of people just holding it in their hand and Looks like this stuff? Dose. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, what's the name of I it? I just looked up opioid gravel. Yeah? What's it called, though? You know. Go uh, to info. And info. Don't do images. Just do all. Oh. Tammy Gravel? No. Uh, no, that's not. We'll go back to the pictures and maybe one of the pictures. Because that's what yeah. I recall from the thing we got. Like, Visit? Does that say what it is? Yeah, no. I'll, I'll click on it. It might show us. But anyway, so yeah. that one is, um, you know, deadly. Especially if you can get a dose unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Or well, isn't that mix it with things? Isn't that with fentanyl too? It's so small. Like people that go in, like officers or whatever, they could they could like die just from a, you know a small amount. Because isn't yeah. it like microscopic doses? Um, or well, it depends on how it's mixed. But yeah, it comes in very yeah. It's very uh, 
concentrated. Yeah. So, but again, I, I don't know of, and this could be possible, I don't know of situations where you could get a dose from, like you wouldn't hold it in your hand. Yeah. I guess if you did long enough and you had sweaty palms, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But most things you shouldn't, you know, be able to do that. Now they make a fentanyl patch, just like a nicotine patch. Really? And it lasts for three days. And usually they use that in uh, people with uh, chronic back pain that can't, you know, they can't do surgery or something like that. And because it's more local, so it doesn't go through the whole body. Oh, so it's just uh, like but a it's, concentrated area. But there's stories of, I mean, there's stories of There's people, stories of people smoking those and then getting, going into respiratory failure because it, they're smoking glue, basically. Ugh. Lighting the patch on fire and smoking it. They're so yeah, that's hard up for drugs. And then it causes physical injury to lungs. Make more sense just to stick the patch on you. Yeah, but you don't get that high, that yeah, euphoria. So. And there's other drugs that, you know, people that are looking for a euphoric feeling, mm-hmm. which is kind of how we describe the high, they will do lots of things. If you take IV Benadryl and push it fast enough, you'll get euphoria. Really? And that's just Benadryl. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. Well, it also not. would put you to sleep. So then where's the fun? Yeah, that's not fun. Just have a beer. <laughs> Well, after you're 20, after you're, you're 20. recording this. Uh, yeah. All right, Mr. Bartley. Well, it was very good to talk to you. I learned a lot. And right. uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Any final words? Any final thoughts? Don't do drugs? Don't do drugs, kids. Stay in school. All right, man. Thank you.